0: Hello and welcome to A New and Ancient Story. This is a podcast, a series of conversations, interviews, and occasionally speeches dedicated to the transformation of self and society. The basic idea is that we're moving from a story of separation to a new story, new for the dominant culture at least, of interbeing. What that means will become apparent as you listen to this series. We explore things like technology, spirituality, agriculture, healing, economics, politics, ecology, relationships, education. I mean, pretty much everything that is undergoing a transition today as our old story nears collapse. If you want to engage these ideas more deeply, you can come to our website, charleseisenstein.net. All right, hi everybody, Charles Eisenstein here with you again, uh, joined by my friend, Daniel Raphael. Uh, Daniel, he describes himself as a transformational guide. Uh, Other people often refer to him as a wizard. And I think it's because on the one hand, he like works with a lot of the modern equivalent of potions uh, like these cutting edge supplements and things like that. Like you ask him about any supplement or any health practice, and he knows an awful lot about it. And also more esoteric things, he practices opening portals and bringing people into deep transformative states and so forth. Uh, I mostly know him as a friend. Um, Haven't really done a lot of work with him in his professional life, but I really appreciate him and appreciate especially him, I'm talking about you in the third person. Hi, Daniel. Hi. <laughs> um, but I, 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 so I appreciate you for the journey that you have been on. And, you know, like everyone's unique journey bears a fruit that is unique to that journey that can then be shared with the world. Um, maybe you can tell us a little bit about how you came to be, like, how did all this come about? I mean, this wasn't your school guidance counselor saying you should uh, be a wizard,
1: right? <laughs> Definitely not. Yeah. Well, I did. I did start off. I remember in preschool making magic potions and actually giving my preschool teachers intuitive advice. I could feel their deepest insecurities and would, and would tell them things that would help them love themselves and have a happier life when I was four. Uh, actually helped someone quit smoking that I met at a salon when I was four. So it kind of came in with me. Uh, but then I actually went backwards and I started developing depression, anxiety, even symptoms on the autism spectrum where I became fully dissociated and could barely function, put on meds, you know, it just went to a place where I was in the darkest place possible. Uh, I didn't even understand what eye contact was for a point. And, uh, and how old were you then?
0: Was this, was this like high school or
1: it, it gradually happened, uh, I would say, you know, middle school. And then by high school, I, I was just fully depressed and uh, I could still, I could still go to school. I could still memorize facts and all that uh, actually pretty well, but the social aspect and the emotional aspects were extremely disabled. And uh, after going the conventional route for years, being put on literally dozens of different uppers and downers uh, by the quote unquote best psychiatrist and just getting worse and worse, I finally woke up from a dream and I had a dream that told me to go to uh, the festival at this date and time and that my life would change. And I've never felt a dream like that. It woke up and kind of stirred me for days. And even though I had so much social anxiety, I could barely walk into a grocery store uh, and, and not freak out. I decided to go to this festival with thousands of people. And uh, and that's where I had my first spiritual experience as an adult at the age of 20 and basically received an energy healing, which I didn't even know what that was or fully believed in it. But in five minutes, I basically just came back to life and snapped out of this video game like trance I was in that allowed me to get a glimpse of of life, the beauty of life again, and started me on a 14-year journey around the world, living with shamans and masters and all sorts of wild adventures to first heal myself and then to you know reconnect with my own spiritual path to be of service to others.
0: Mm. So when you had this Spiritual healing, and you went back to the psychiatrist. Did they celebrate with you your triumphant return to to mental and emotional health?
1: (laughs) I think they thought I was still crazy. You know, they they were looking at me and everyone through the the filter of labels, which really can distort reality uh, in itself. And so, uh, even though I had I had shifted, they wanted me to stay on meds, and I did for a while. But I finally, you know got off and decided to really that it really wasn't about a chemical imbalance it was about my the way i saw myself the way i saw the world and not knowing how to manage the energies of feeling other people's emotions and all of that which we weren't taught at all in you know conventional school and so by learning to recode my own uh, reality and learn how to navigate Energy that was really when things shifted in a significant and permanent way for me.
0: Mm-hmm. You know your your story. I, I'm sure it resonates with a lot of people, um, maybe to a less extreme degree. But like that that phrase you used, a video game like trance, this experience of of like seeing reality as not quite real, like kind of dissociating from it. I think a lot of people are familiar with that. I know I, I know exactly what you mean by it. And I think like one reason that that happens is, is many of us are born very sensitive and in order to to cope in a pretty brutal world, we have to somehow shut down parts of ourselves just to like get by. It's like the same thing like, you know, if you're in a very loud environment all the time, you lose your hearing. You know, if you're in a very intense stimulating um, painful environment you numb down your ability to feel that allows you to kind of like you said you got good grades you know like you can go along with the prescription of life but um you know at some point it becomes hell really mm-hmm. so so and it's almost necessary yeah um anything to say about that or
1: oh yeah i mean yeah. It's- that's a huge one. I'm glad you touched on it. I mean, it reminds me of my deepest actual spiritual experience I've had, which was on a plant medicine called Iboga. And uh, essentially I was laying down and you hear this voice of wisdom that guided me to my the center of my head, my third eye. And I saw this big gate that was locked and it showed me all these limiting beliefs. It's kind of like life chipped away at my ability to be free and and be expansive until I was locked in this little small room because everything else was off limits because I didn't want to get yelled at again or I don't want to be shamed again. And it guided me to really break through that. And all of a sudden, my soul just popped back in my body and my head. And I didn't realize it, it wasn't even there. Uh, and you know, shamans call it a soul retrieval. And in psychology, you can call it just reconnecting with, you know, subpersonalities or integrating them. But It really was the most profound experience because that's when I shifted from feeling like everything was fake, a video game, to just, whoa, I'm here. And it was the beginning of a new phase of my life. There was still a lot of work to do, but it was really just the choice to come back and just allow myself to be here, uh, which was such a simple thing, but was, was really something that I had lost for most of my life and I think a lot of people have from being in you know, moving out of the dark ages that we're here on the planet from.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, just to fully be here. I mean, there's a big part of me that doesn't want to be here because I feel so alienated by the society, by reality as it's narrated to me. Maybe that's one reason why I, um, you know, feel very drawn by your story. Um, Not only because of your liberation from that tiny little room that, people's expectations and approval and shame have locked you into, uh, but also because of the experiences that are from a bigger reality, like from, or I would say a fuller reality, like the things in your journey that maybe you could even share some of them with us that confirmed to you that, yeah, the reality that we are offered as real is actually a tiny little prison cell and what's possible in this world, in this life, is just so far beyond what society recognizes. Can, can you, is there anything coming to you that you'd like to share <laughs> about
1: that? Oh yeah, so many stories about that. Uh, and I'm, I'm glad you touched on that. I mean, for some reason that uh, I was, I was sitting next to a prince of a, of an island in Southeast Asia, who told me that in his homeland, they work with spirits and so, There's actually a sword that they have that their five-year-old son could just pull out of its sheath, but a 300-pound bodybuilder couldn't budge because it's not uh, tied to their bloodline, and that reminded me of the King Arthur story, which I thought was a complete myth, but he was just matter-of-factly, you know, just, he was very open, seemed actually quite humble in, in, in other ways, but just sharing, you know, part of his experience, and that made me realize, wow, there's, there's so much out there, and that a lot of, a lot of spiritual traditions actually have been suppressed throughout the, these centuries. And more and more, we're just taught that, you know, we're only living in a 3d world when quantum physics proves otherwise. And so there's, there's just so much out there. And what I realized was it's still important to be extremely discerning and actually, you know, letting my body, the the gut and the feelings in your body, be the GPS to guide you into what really calibrates as truth but to stay open and really let go of, of limiting beliefs and projections of limitation.
0: Yeah. Th- that's really important. The, the calibration you were talking about, because what happens with a lot of people is once they have an experience that demolishes the old prison cell, then it's like, okay, so that reality was too small. then Therefore everything outside of that must be true. Like, people can become very gullible and very trusting it's kind of beautiful in a way but but also very vulnerable to like all kinds of other uh, manipulations and mm-hmm. deceptions and like someone could hear that story and be like oh yeah that prince you know he was just feeding you a line of bullshit you know like how how do yeah. you <laughs> how do you recognize I mean, that's just something someone told you. And then people go and they they chase gurus and shamans, you know, and then they might get sexually exploited by an ayahuasca oh, yeah. hero, you know. And like, like I mean, it's mm-hmm. a real jungle out there. So what are some of the um, direct experiences that you had that you didn't have to just trust somebody say so?
1: And right. Yeah, that's a good point. Because unfortunately, there are so many con artists and manip- manipulative people. And I actually had to go through a few of those deep experiences myself to really learn to, to trust myself and my own intuition. And because even though my mind was getting all uh, flattered with shiny things, my, my body was trying to warn me and vibes don't lie. So the vibration was there, felt off, and I didn't listen to it. And that's really important. I just wanted to reiterate that. Uh, well, let's see here.
0: Cause you know, like when I, when I go and like, okay, I'm going to seek out a Qigong teacher, for example, Right. you know, like I've, you know, seen some things that were quite extraordinary, <laughs> but nothing like that crossed the line of holy crap. That just totally blew my mind. You know?
1: Right. Right.
0: Some things that are pretty close that, you know, but often I could be like, well, I could explain that, you know, in conventional scientific terms, or maybe that was my imagination. Um, And I just pulled Qigong teacher because you mentioned that, but were there any encounters that you had were just like maybe the universe saying, I'm not even going to require you to have faith, Daniel. This is just (laughs) so obvious that you are being pushed into a different realm.
1: Oh, definitely. I mean, just from my own experiences, such as, uh, you know, training with a a cave diving master that taught me this ancient breathwork technique um, where I was able to just merge the void with everything and it was one of the most profound experiences to break through the the layers of fear keeping me back from just complete unity which a lot of mystic uh masters speak about i was able to experience that in in a profound way just from breathing uh to training with you know my own you know teachers some of them were Taoist masters that i've that i actually saw in person uh i mean he one of them touched my third eye with his thumb and I actually felt it a crack. <laughs> I, I heard it and I felt it. And then my blood started boiling. And I was I started convulsing. And he's like, oh, this is normal. This is just an alchemical process to purify your blood and and bring it up to activate you know, all this stuff. <laughs> so uh and and I and I was with uh probably a hundred other people in the room and they were all most of them were were shaking and convulsing. Um, some of them had even seemingly more profound experiences than me. So that started 10 years ago and really opened me up to the possibilities. And I got to experience both very pure and powerful masters and a few manipulative ones, like we mentioned. And, and uh, I learned to just really follow my, my own inner compass of feelings and, and intuition to move forward and not give power away, but remind myself that everyone is just a reflection Teaching us important lessons that we need for our own mission. That life is a school, and love is the lesson.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, what is? What's another landmark or watershed moment that has brought you to where you are?
1: Hmm. I, the one that just popped up is uh, almost dying. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's another story. But I basically was. Uh, I fell a bit off my own path by by joining a, a group of people that were not in integrity and that I, uh, you know, just had to learn again of just wanting, I was curious, and I, you know, giving my power away earlier in life. And uh, I found myself just kind of shaking on the floor with a few of my closest friends next to me and thinking like, Oh wow, I feel like I'm dying. I, I'm, I'm pretty sure I'm going to die in the next hour or two. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, they were trying to help, you know, using all these things, but nothing was really working. And finally I, I, I just had to connect with God. I just had to connect with the ultimate force, whatever you want to call it and humble myself and, uh, and just prayed, you know, with, with this deeper part of my heart that I don't think I had access to. And the moment I I really did that, the shaking stopped and everything was peaceful. And I heard this voice that just guided me that everything's going to be fine. If you just listen to the voice, to the, the voice of intuition and that really, that moment really started me on this on this much pure path, where I actually had to surrender deeper to the universe, to the divine guidance. And ever since then, life has been a whole new level of incredible. And uh, a lot of the fears I've had and 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 thoughts blocking me have been able to be transformed by really just giving them up and putting my faith in a in a higher power in a much deeper way even though I considered myself spiritual before that really, I didn't have that foundation in a strong way. And so I'm grateful I actually needed that experience to really align me with that, that force that we are all connected to.
0: When you were earlier speaking of, you know, being confined to like a tiny little room, I thought of how that, was literally true for so many people during covid lockdowns
1: Mm, yeah
0: confined to little rooms and interacting with the world through electronic media like life kind of did become a giant video game in many ways yeah now we we've been let out of that little cell maybe into a larger cell (laughs) Uh, but what is important for us to know right now as we um, exit lockdowns? Like what, what, what's important for us to know?
1: I think that's a great metaphor. And I feel like the, one of the most important things to know is that your thoughts and your perceptions create reality. So whatever you're facing right now or whatever you might face in the future, if you learn the basic rules of the universe, which have been encoded in not just one, but many different traditions from Tibetan Buddhism to the ancient hermetic arts of spirituality uh, to the to Toltecs uh, from S- Central and South America. It's really about knowing how to code your reality. So for example, language by by using your language and shifting your language, you can transform your beliefs. You can raise your vibration and then attract someone that can support you to break out of a current situation that you're in. And so whatever the challenges in the way, the the easiest thing I found to to support me was to remember a, that this is a lesson that this life is a school to just take a step back and and not take it personally and not play the role of a victim because that's the role I was playing most of my life Mm -hmm. and that that was still a choice on some level. And by taking a step back and, and opening, getting quiet, you know, stilling my mind, I could get information to guide me out of any situation because I somehow got into a thousand of the crazy situations as well. Really chose a, a challenging life this time. There's always a solution really close to me. And that by then coding our reality like a video game, we're not just living in a video game, but we're also the creator of it. We're co-creating reality in every moment based off our perceptions, our choices, our energy and that we could, just like ordering from a menu, we could ask the universe to bring a support or help dissolve this anxiety we're feeling or give us a sign. And the more I, I chose to just ask for things like that, the more I was able to receive them and my whole way of living transformed and my whole life transformed.
0: Mm-hmm. You know, one thing I'm noticing about your story is that initially you were not doing any of that. I mean, you were not um, asking for a sign when you got that dream, as far as
1: mm. told me. And, I'm not and sure. I don't. I don't remember. I, I I was definitely doing it a little bit, but I think even, whether whether or not you consciously ask, I think there's a benevolent helper there to guide you. Yet there's also the the law of free will, and the more that you allow and ask for support, the more you can receive it. Because
0: mm-hmm. I, you know, I've had <laughs> some of my darkest times actually were when. I was in a state of quite desperation and I said, okay, give me a sign, you know, God, tell me that you exist, make it clear, show me, you know, I need help, give me a sign. And then like there would, nothing would happen. And I'd be like, see, you know, there's no God, there's no benevolence, there's no meaning. I'm alone and boy, it sucks. And after that happened a couple of times, I became afraid to ask because I didn't want this you know, loneliness to be affirmed once again by the failure of a request to the universe to come true. What do you think's going on with
1: that? That's a great question. Well, what came up for me is it's, it could be tricky at first because our belief systems are so powerful and actually did studies on this. Beliefs are the number one filter of reality. So if you believe no one loves you, you'll be proven right. Just like with anything, you'll be proven right. And so when we, if we're not in the flow of connecting with a higher power universe and we have a deep set of belief, like we're alone, uh, then sometimes it takes a few times and, and that belief has to kind of play out to, so to speak, purge out of our system. Um, So I'm not sure if your experience now is different than when that happened, but you know, my advice is to, to not give up and just stay persistent because part of, part of asking is sometimes. Well actually, you know, I lived with this this tribal shaman for close to a year and working with this medicine and uh, he said there's only one rule. You can you can do whatever you want. All you have to do is mean it 100%. And when I first started asking for things my, on my first journey, I realized pretty quickly, "Whoa, I wasn't meaning anything 100%." And I had to actually get angry and break through this kind of invisible layer of taking myself not seriously and thinking life was a joke or Mm -hmm. just, or just not believing. And then once I really did that, and then that's when the magic started.
0: Yeah. Orland Bishop says that the key to the power of word is to simply mean what you say.
1: Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mean
0: it when you say
1: it. And you have to feel it That's part of it. And they've done studies where you could actually shift, you know, molecules and, and DNA. They did. They had a series of people do it. And, They've, they both visualized or thought about it and they had to f- feel it at the same time because your thoughts are electric and your feelings from your heart are magnetic. And when you combine them, it creates an electromagnetic energy. And this is part of quantum physics.
0: So back to the belief thing, like I think this is a really important point. Um, for me, like you said, like the, the, uh, that belief state, I can't remember exactly what you said, but it has to play itself out. I I like Mm. to say that a state of belief is a state of being and the intellectual beliefs that we can articulate, those are just the surface layer of a state of being that is the product of, you know, childhood experiences, of of trauma, of who knows, past lives, you know, um, ancestral experiences, like, You know, astrological influences, whatever, like we're born into a certain state of being that magnetizes to it corresponding beliefs or even opinions. I think that, you know, there is an intelligence to the state that we are born into. Uh, There's a reason, it's part of the journey. So that if that state has not yet been fully explored, fully felt, fully experienced, And you try to change your beliefs, which try to change the beliefs that go along with it, then they're not going to change because you're not done with them yet. So like maybe, you know, I wasn't done with loneliness and alienation yet. Maybe I needed to fully experience that all the way before I was ready to change. So this kind of casts for me, it casts into question the idea you were talking about, about like programming reality and stuff, because you know, is the conscious mind really in charge here? Can you? And a lot of people have tried it. Like, okay, I'm gonna, you know, yeah, I want financial abundance, so I'm going to do affirmations and change my beliefs, as if by force. But maybe there's some other healing that has to happen in order for those practices to work.
1: I think you're totally right. Uh, you know, a lot of the the masters I've worked with. You know, if they had to encapsulate life into one rule, it's like, don't push, don't use force. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, we come here, I believe, to learn a few core themes uh, in this life. And we can't force our way or rush our way through them. And I've definitely tried and it doesn't work. Uh, but it's, it's really about awareness, though. And when we just surrender to whatever's in front of us and realize there's a big lesson here I've chosen to learn. And really look at it in a deeper way and feel it fully because we've been programmed to not feel things or think it's too, too much when we just have to use our breath and face it. Uh, but when we really feel it and, and step into it with open arms, as opposed to pushing it away, then we get a lot of our power back. And we remember that we're not in charge, so to speak, our, our small self isn't, but that we actually are part of this great self, this universe. And when we, surrender back into that then we co-create with the universe so it's not really the ego that's trying to change something or fix something or even heal something but it's what i see as just the letting go back into our true self which is part of everything and then when we do that more and more and we align with that force just like in star wars the the jedi when we align Mm -hmm. with that force then we can facilitate miracles by being a part of that again
0: Hmm. Some of these miracles are sacred in the sense of secret, in the sense of private. Are there any that are public that that you would like to share, that you have witnessed and experienced? I think sometimes, you know, what what I mean by a miracle is simply something that is impossible from an old story and possible
1: in a Mm. new one. It's
0: like the light that shines through from a bigger reality through the cracks in the current reality.
1: Well, after... after a few years of just practicing, you know, healing techniques, transformation techniques on myself and a few friends, I started opening up to other people. And the story that that's coming very strong is just—I uh, don't remember exactly how I found this guy, but he, I think he just found me and, and said, "Hey, I'm about to kill myself, and I could use some support." And so I offered him a free call, and in about forty minutes, we just went through about a dozen, you know. I was like, what else? What else? And he just brought up his deepest pains through childhood and what he's facing now. And just intuitively just using these these simple techniques that I wish everyone knew just completely forgave and let go of these huge limitations. And he actually was in a state of joy at the end of the 40 minutes. And I said, is there anything else you need? He's like, no, I'm, I feel completely great. Thank you. And uh, now we still keep in touch and he's immensely successful in his business. Has a beautiful girlfriend. And um it just shows the power of, you know, it, it's both. It's like sometimes we just need to go through a long period of really f- of feeling and facing something. And when we're ready, we can totally just transform it in an instant because it's all, it's all an agreement we have with with ourselves or with life in a deeper way. And when we shift the way we attach to things, it's like a contract. It's like I'm no longer attaching to beating myself up or whatever it is mm-hmm. or seeing myself in this way. Uh, You know, for me, that was a a huge miracle that for that in that moment realized, okay, I want to do this uh, for my whole life, because this was so beautiful to experience. And I don't see it as me doing it. Uh, It was really just letting go and letting the intuition flow through uh, to support him. And that's what I also learned, hey, the more I get out of the way, and let go of my ego or identifying with these miracles, then the more miracles happen.
0: Yeah, that's the sacrifice that needs to be made—the sacrifice of taking credit for it.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: Can you share one of those practices you mentioned? Self forgiveness.
1: I would love to. Yeah. Another example, which will encapsulate how to do it, is, uh, you know, there was this woman that was sexually abused by her father when she was a kid, and she's done work for spiritual work for twenty years and has wasn't wasn't able to forgive him. And in about five minutes doing this exercise, she just fully let it go and instantly got her life purpose. It was like she needed to let that go to get clarity on what she wanted to do. So all that happened in five minutes. And all I had her do, of course, was just take a few breaths and and drop in, relax, and then go back to a scene uh, and see her father, go back to the past where her father was a little boy and Mm -hmm. just see how he was treated just imagine it and she instantly saw him being abused and she started crying and I, I simply told her that little boy is your father that's where he stopped growing he's in an adult body but he never got the healing he never got the tools he was stuck in that trauma and that's when she put herself in his shoes she was able to move outside of her own experience and instantly have a beautiful release and let go of the judgment on top of that. And, and that's why you know letting go of judgment against yourself and others, that's what binds us into a prison. And it doesn't mean that we have to be around people that are abusive. Sometimes the best thing to do is just completely cut off someone uh, and we can still let go of judgment because judgment is the extra story our mind is telling us that is blocking us from seeing the deeper lessons that we came here to see and learn from.
0: Yeah. The falsity of judgment this is a centerpiece of a lot of my work Yeah, that converts authentic anger into blame, which is basically the filter of a lie. It's a misattribution of cause. Like, for example, like, yeah, okay, on one level, the father did that. Yes. But the blame says, but if I were him, I wouldn't have done that. It comes from a lack of understanding of where he came from. And so going back to the childhood, then you understand.
1: Yeah. It's like zooming out. That's, that's really all it is. And if we're stuck in a story and judgment, it blocks us from zooming out and we stay without the the bigger context of, of reality. And so all we're doing is, is surrendering and allowing, you know, to go back and see and see and realize, whoa, guess what? Um, Pretty much everyone has been traumatized living on this earth for thousands of years. And when we really realize what's been going on, and we go back to the, the spiritual principles, you know, beyond religion or any dogma, it allows us to really transform any limitation that we're facing and support other people in doing the same. And that's why I feel it's so important at this time to simply remember these keys.
0: Yeah, you know, there's a, there's a really deep misunderstanding about, about letting go of judgment and about forgiveness that I get confronted with a lot. And I, you know, I have my own way of explaining it, but I'm curious how you would respond um, when somebody says that's spiritual bypassing and very privileged of you to advocate forgiving the perpetrators. And what is needed is for people to own their anger and to fight back and don't tell the abused not to hate their abusers. That's just further disempowering them and letting the abusers have a free pass. Have you you
1: come across that criticism and and what do you say? Oh, definitely, yeah. Yeah. I think that's a great point. I mean, there's a few layers there, so I'll I'll do my best to go through them. First of all, if you're facilitating or supporting someone, you never should them, right? So if they're feeling anger or resentment, your job is not to try to change that, but you're simply being a mirror to reflect uh, a different perspective. And so it's important to feel your anger and it's important not to bypass and or prematurely forgive, which I've tried to do before. Sometimes you just really need to sit with and feel that before you you go through the deeper forgiveness and then gratitude process. Uh, believe it or not, I've, I've been able to shift into gratitude. You know, Thank God that <laughs> this person stole my money and, and tried to destroy my life because that's actually what I needed. I, I see that now. Uh, but when we're in that journey, we want to honor where that person is at, and when we let go of our ego and simply just hold that space of love, that's when I found that the fastest actually transformations occur because they don't feel pressured in any direction to change, and they they finally allow themselves to actually feel and see the greater lesson. Uh, so when you are afraid of forgiving someone, it's really a protection mechanism. You know, a lot of our hearts have uh, had protection mechanisms come on. It's like, oh, I don't want to. If I forgive this, it's gonna happen again. Or if, if I let this go. And so we're just holding on to something. And it's about really, you know, learning the deeper surrender technique where we don't there'll come a time where you don't have to hold on to this thing in your mind. And that you can trust yourself and trust life because it's really about listening to your intuition and listening to your body and looking at where you might have done or been in gone into a relationship, for example. Uh Based off trauma bonding or something like that, where you weren't actually tuning into the deeper desire or, or weren't really allowing yourself to be worthy. And sometimes we we come in there as children, so it's you know it's never our fault. There's no one to blame, and uh, but when we wake up and and free ourselves, a big part of that is is forgiving because we can't truly be free if we are not letting a part of our heart open back up to life and to the world and to ourselves. And so I feel it's it's crucial to, to remember that forgiveness isn't about the other person. It's really just about yourself. You never have to talk or see the other person again as an example, but it's about alchemizing the scar that came there and being like, you know what? I've, I've learned a lot of lessons. I I have matured and I'm ready to take this off because I am now trusting myself and my eyes are more open
0: Mm -hmm. do you do you feel (laughs) like that you've fully forgiven like the psychiatrists who you know medicated you and didn't you tell me one story about like you know even how they would basically um destroy your trust in yourself and and pathologize you like do you feel like you've
1: Oh, yeah, that's a great story. Because, you know, I, I was going to this most expensive psychiatrist, quote, unquote, the best one in <laughs> Southern California, and, uh, you know, put him put me on dozens of different medications. Uh, I got worse and worse. And when I asked about a potential side effect, I was getting so many side effects. So the new one I googled, and I was like, Oh, my God, this can kill people. So I, I asked about it. And he just yelled at me and said, Daniel, do you do you have an MDF to your name? You have OCD, just take the pills. He just kind of like snapped at me and hung up the phone. And uh, that's when I stopped going to him. And that really hurt, obviously. It felt almost like a rape. I'm like, wow, this is so, you know, I've, I've given you everything. I've given you my life just to play with. And this is how you treat me. But looking back, he actually saved my life because if he wasn't such an asshole, I would have kept doing the medications. I wouldn't have gone on my spiritual path. I would be dead by now for sure. So, now I, I have so much gratitude for him. Thank God that he was my psychiatrist, and not someone else. So I could get the contrast I needed to reroute my path in life. And so again, it's just in the in deeper context, I actually feel so much compassion for him. And if he ever reached out to ask for support, I would totally do it because he's obviously just a hurt little boy in there that got fed all of these uh, programs about what health is and how to treat disorders or how to see people, he wasn't actually seeing me as a human being because he wasn't connected to his own human beings.
0: Mm-hmm. And, and we could say that everything that disempowered you, everything that harmed you, everything that confined you created a difficult journey that required you to develop strength. If the journey was exactly. easy, you wouldn't have become strong.
1: Exactly, and and that's why a lot of ancient traditions they call the challenges or the dark side, the great adversary. It's like a gym. It's the it's the perfect gym to challenge you, so that it's like, hey, are you sure you are have a pure heart? Are you sure you're courageous? Are you sure you're a good person? Um, you know, they talk about it. <clears throat> we come to Earth from the spirit world, if you're open to that concept, because in the spirit world they say everything's transparent. So you could be, yeah, of course I'm good. Uh, but when you come to earth, you, you know, there's stakes and there's a lot of densities and that's where you get to prove yourself and really face through these lessons as a soul so that you can truly liberate yourself and go to the next level. Mm-hmm. And so I, after, after many years of doing this, that's what I believe now. And that's what actually has supported me in just moving through the deepest things that were extremely challenging and painful for me.
0: I mean, there's a, so many things we could talk about, like, um, You know, there's the beings that take the form of molecules, of plants, you know, of chemicals that are part of the healing journey of humanity. There are also beings that are harder to discern in chemical form uh, that are maybe patterns of, of electromagnetic radiation or even more subtle energies. Um. What are some of the beings, they could be molecular, they could be biological, they could be non-physical. What are some of the beings with whom you have developed a friendship that you might introduce to us?
1: <laughs> oh, I, love, I love the way you worded that. <laughs> well, it's they've definitely changed throughout the years. Uh, I love detoxing my body. I think it's so important for everyone right now. This is the crazy crazy world we're in where we all have to just really detox our bodies. So, um, you know, taking binders right now like nano zeolite. It's like
0: clay, uh, clay and stuff like that.
1: Like, exactly. It yeah. it crosses the blood brain barrier and it binds to all these metals and crazy things that are just being sprayed everywhere. So, uh I I feel like it's super important before we even try to put more things in our bodies. We remember, hey, our bodies are already such divine, supercomputer-type instruments, and we just need to get rid of the interference in them so that they can do their job. And so that's number one. Um, the more detoxing, the better, I think. Uh, and then after that, you know, there's you know there's a few medicines that have supported me, but I also realized that I was using them as a crutch, and so I use I use them sparingly now uh, to receive deeper insights has helped shift my paradigm, but integration is really important. And so, you know, connecting with my own intuition, connecting with my guardian angel has been the most incredible journey for me because I literally just, it's kind of like the book, Conversations with God, just Mm -hmm. get so many mind-blowingly accurate uh, data points and information every day whenever I tune in. And that's been absolutely amazing as well. Uh, But I also do take uh, this formula that you've tried, that I call the eternal dragon. And it's based off of a Chinese herbal formula that a, believe it or not, a a Chinese master that lived to over 250 years old was taking for a long time to just build up his life force. And it's extremely empowering and anti-aging. So that's been helping me feel really solid and good every day. Mm
0: -hmm. So the guardian angel, um, you, you ask the guardian angel, like, how do you do that?
1: Right. I'm glad, I'm glad you brought this up because actually the story I shared 20 minutes ago when I was feeling like I was on my deathbed, that's actually who I called for. And my guardian angel came in really strong in that moment. And if you look at all sorts of traditions like Tibetan Buddhism to even mystical Islam and Catholicism to the hermetic tradition, they all talk about that we all come in with a guardian angel. It's a, it's a being just for us that's here to protect us, to guide us like the inner guru. Mm-hmm. And if we choose to make contact with it, cause we still have free will, we have to really ask and purify ourselves to a degree to connect with it. Then so many miracles happen. And I wish I'd known this earlier, but that's been my number one spiritual hack of the decade uh, that I'm so happy. I found out about, and I actually have a, a class on that I offer now about that too, just to connect and optimize the relationship because it really guided me. And some people could just call it your intuition, you know, mm-hmm. it's, uh, but it's really just, you know, you could see it maybe as an aspect of your higher self, but in the end of the day, it's just, it's just a very easy way to, to build up your, your faith and connection to the divine intuition that's out there.
0: So we'll, we'll put a link to your website, or, you know, in the, in the description, but is there like a, a 30 second, version of how to connect to your
1: guardian angel <laughs> yeah definitely well why don't we do a why don't we do a, a 30 second meditation it's so gonna be if, longer
0: than 30 seconds but yeah
1: <laughs> yeah if you if anyone's yeah, open oh yeah yeah
0: let's, let's, let's
1: do it let's close our eyes and take a nice deep breath through our nose and just breathe out any tension out of our mouth <sighs> And again, just breathing into our nose, this golden light, just purifying our energy and just exhaling out of our mouth, any negativity, any tension, just keep letting it go. And imagine that there's this golden beam of light from the heavens, just beaming into your head, moving down your body, just letting go of any interfering energies. It's opening up your divine connection, moving from head to toe, just exhaling any negativity, any limiting beliefs out of your mouth. Letting the golden light fully merge with you, this divine energy. And now we're going to connect with our guardian angel. It's just like downloading an app. You can say within your heart or within your mind, guardian angel, please come to me. I'd love to connect with you now. Do you have a message for me? Let's take a moment to see if you receive anything, a visual, a thought, a feeling. that's a little taste it's basically getting quiet clearing any interfering energies in the way and just starting to ask and connect and you can pray and just ask for a deeper connection i love doing this before i dream at night Mm -hmm. and it's just like training a muscle whether you get something right away or not uh, within a few tries just continuing that process it will strengthen your connection
0: so if I didn't get anything on my first try, that doesn't mean I don't have a guardian angel.
1: <laughs> not at all. It, everyone everyone has one, I believe. And it's it's basically just, I'll, I'll use this metaphor. You know, a lot of people think there's something wrong with me, uh, but I, they're driving like the best car ever and they just have mud on their windshield and they're experiencing like, uh, I'm not driving well on the road and we just have to clear off the mud off the windshield and then you'll be like, oh, wow, this is a great car. and I'm a great yeah. driver. So,
0: And uh, actually like, like this is similar to what you were saying before, how beliefs are a filter because actually as soon as I asked for a message from the guardian angel, a bird started singing outside my window. Mm -hmm. So what part of my rational mind denies that that was a message?
1: (laughs) Yeah. Well, it's, you know, maybe that was the message for you or maybe, you know, there's, an overcompensation mechanism because you're so gifted at making sure and discovering reality that, uh, that, that overactive um, part of your mind might be in the way of just letting go to receive something right now. So there's jumping
0: too quickly onto something. Oh, that must be it. And
1: (laughs) maybe, yeah. So it's, it's a discovery process. You know, Mm -hmm. I'm not, I'm not trying to say what it is, but it's really, it's the, I think the number one muscle that is, uh, recommended to to work on for everyone right now is the muscle of surrender because the the more that we learn to just let go in different vectors of our body of our reality of our life the more we can receive those divine messages and synchronicities and and be more present to all the magic that's already here that's here to support us. Mm-hmm. That's something I'm definitely working on. <laughs> so
0: people have just one guardian angel And that's different from like sometimes new agey people talk about their guides and their angels and stuff. This is, this is a different one then.
1: There's yeah, you can have a lot of different guides and there's a lot of different angels you can call on. Mm -hmm. And this is just a, this is just one that's here for you. Just one for you. So it's really up to you what there's many ways to ask for support. This is one way.
0: It occurred to me that humanity collectively also has a guardian angel as well as other guides and guardians. Are there any of those that you have connected with?
1: Like on a worldwide scope? Yeah. Well, I really just got to connect with, you know, the spirit of mother earth recently Mm -hmm. when I was in Mexico and just feel such a deep reverence and love for, you know, allowing us to be here and learn all these lessons while making such a mess right uh so i definitely feel that there are you know these these guardians and that we also are the guardians as well that a lot of us are here to be guardians of earth Mm uh and guardians of children and people that are being abused right now um and the paradox is that you know the more we forgive the more powerful we are and yet we don't need to tolerate the bs we don't need to tolerate abuse we don't need to tolerate putting up with uh all these crazy things going on and so mm-hmm. it's you you can release judgment and step into your guardianship and do the right thing and and protect and serve uh, yeah. right now i believe for sure
0: yeah I, and i think that that's what anger is actually for it's to enforce necessary boundaries they say anger not- is
1: a healthy it's just a signal that your boundaries are being crossed yeah and so we don't want to stop anger it's a fuel for us actually to to move through into the higher frequencies and it can, it can fuel us to, to right action. It's just that when it is paired with judgment and blame and victim consciousness, that's when we can get tricked into um, different paradigms that aren't serving us or other people.
0: Right. And those divert, and they they divert anger onto things that are not its purpose. For example, punishment,
1: which masquerades,
0: masquerades as solving the problem. Doing right, something and about it, but it's not, and that
1: self-righteousness yeah. often blinds people into these narratives where they think they're better than others, and it blinds them into not seeing their own shadow, mm-hmm. and that can turn into you know narcissistic or sociopathic behavior. Mm-hmm. So I don't think punishment is the way. I think awareness is the way, and service, and a lot of people just need a wake-up call, and a lot of people just need love. So it's a it's a dance, and that's when that's why our bodies and guide us with really tuning in before we take action and not taking immediate reactive action based off a signal we're getting that might be something we need to alchemize before we step into service.
0: Um, I don't want to hold you too much longer, but there's one more thing I wanted to ask you. For the last year, year and a half, we've um, been in quite extraordinary times where, where normal life has really been shaken. My intuition is that we have not finished with the process that began, you know, at the end of 2019. Uh, What do you see coming in the next year? And what is your advice on how best to ready ourselves for what's coming?
1: Mm, Yeah, that's a deep one. I want to limit what I say on the, on the first part, because we don't know for sure. And, uh, it's important to not go into a reaction based off fear because we're all in different parts of the planet and we're all in different missions. Uh, but I do feel there's going to be some type of cyber hack food, water shortage. Mm -hmm. Um, and so if, and when that happens, just being prepared for that, uh, physically and also mentally. And 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 that's really about not letting your mind go into store. It's like, oh, the lights went off or there's no you know, food. It's like really watch your thoughts and and not let them go out of control and and, and take you out of your center. It's about mm-hmm. staying in your center. So I believe training right now is really important. Detoxing your body, getting as healthy as possible, and just preparing for these types of scenarios. But you know, if you're open to it, building your spiritual connection because, you know, even though I have it, I'm pretty happy with where I'm at with it. In some ways I'm, I'm very dedicated to just strengthening it right now myself so that I can really have the guidance with whatever happens. You're, if you're not connected to Wi-Fi, you can be connected to your intuition. I think that's even better. Mm -hmm. So it's really just optimizing yourself and, and really strengthening and anchoring your center so that whatever happens, you can get quiet, you can tune in. And you can be guided from that higher place instead of false, you know, evidence appearing real fear, which is the mind trying to just show you worst case scenarios and just trust that it's part of the transition into this new age. That's been prophesized from all over the world for many, mm-hmm. many thousands of years. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. I think the best preparation for a time of scarcity is to practice generosity, mm. you know, like, like, the fear reaction would be to hoard food. And that reaction is, it strengthens the psychic template of famine. Mm-hmm. Because for the reason for famine, actually, if you look historically, it has always been some form of maldistribution. Yeah. Like Irish potato famine. They were, Ireland was exporting food during that. This Bengal famine in the mid early 20th century, like they were, ex- the British were taking food from Bengal. Like, the disruptions to supply cause a social disruption. Like it's ultimately famine is a crisis of sharing, not actually an objective shortage of food. Even though people experience objective shortage of food to the point where they're starving to death.
1: I absolutely agree, yeah.
0: Yeah. So we can actually prevent that future right now like, and that's why you're you you were you were right not to like want to say too much about coming times because they are not frozen in reality. Coming times are malleable, it depends on how we are being today. And and we have the power to shift onto much more beautiful timelines than the one that's that seem likely. We have that power. There is no could... such thing as the future.
1: <laughs> exactly. There's You know, that's what a lot of spiritual teachings say as well. The timelines are fluid and it's really based off this present moment, the only moment that's real. And, uh, you know, one thing I'll add to that too is that my friend said there's this cognitive bias. A lot of people perceive that, you know, a lot of negative based beings have been controlling our our civilization for many years and people are are not seeing the light. But there's a lot of old structures uh, that are still here. And so there's a bit of a cognitive bias because, um, what I see is that the, you know, the negative base forces are losing their grip on power every day, more and more, and they're getting more desperate. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but we're still kind of waking up and seeing these old structures because they've been here for some, sometimes thousands of years. And so it's really not, not looking at all of that. And also remembering that, you know, more and more people are waking up and connecting every day that more and more support is here and so many you know incredible people are are discovering amazing things to support humanity and, and create this more beautiful world in so many ways and I actually feel really good about the future and I do still feel though that there's going to be some chaotic times over the next few years in this transition that more we really Center and are generous because that's really what our hearts want to do and stay connected with the community that really resonates with us uh, and keep our hearts open that's really not just about survival, but about thriving and staying connected to our true nature, which is going to bring us through this in a more graceful way.
0: Yeah. I mean, in in any positive future actually has to involve some kind of chaos, if only like the internal breakdown of the meanings and stories that we've used to organize the world. Like when, when a bigger reality confronts us or a different reality confronts us or the a hidden truth confronts us it kind of shakes the world it it disintegrates reality i mean that is a scary process but the alternative which is that we don't leave the bubble this shrinking hellish bubble the alternative is much worse so let us have good courage as we face the breakdown of what we thought was real and I think that it's not just, okay, there's the enlightened people who get it, you know, and then there's the asleep people who, who are going to go through a big, a big wake-up call. I think every single one of us has some aspect of, of reality and identity that is going to change.
1: Like mm-hmm.
0: Everybody has a surprise.
1: <laughs> That's why we're here. Yeah. Definitely. It's kind of like letting go of a parasite. It might, you might get nauseous for a little bit but you want to just keep going and, and just let it out. And Mm -hmm. so that's like the collective parasite we're purging. It's just trusting that the waves are good and, you know, staying in alignment with what you're guided to do, not eating sugar or whatever it is so that we can collectively release what's no longer serving us Mm -hmm. uh, and step into this new, beautiful timeline. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah. Well, thank you, Daniel. Um, I'll put it in the, in the notes, but, but, do you want want to to just mention out loud in case someone's just listening in their car? What, what's, uh, if people want to find out more about your work, where do they go?
1: Sure. Uh, my email is Daniel at dreamporting.com. Dreamporting is my school where I teach different techniques and, um, processes to transform your life and also to, uh, for anyone interested, help transformation of other people. Mm -hmm. And I also have some magic potions and, um, other offerings and private work I do with some people. So feel free to reach out or Daniel Raphael one is my Instagram handle. Mm-hmm. And thank you so much everyone for tuning in, sending you all a lot of blessings, a lot of love in this time. I look forward to connecting with you.
0: Yeah. Thank you, Daniel.
1: Thank you, Charles. It's been an honor to uh, be your friend <laughs> and to, to be on the show. Thank you. <laughs> the honor is
0: mine. This has been a new and ancient story with your host, Charles Eisenstein. I offer this podcast in the spirit of the gift, by which I mean that I don't withhold premium content for a price or put up paywalls or do affiliate marketing or have advertising or anything like that. Instead, I rely on supporters like you. If you would like to support it, you can subscribe at charleseisenstein.net for a small monthly amount, or you can subscribe for free as well. Either way, you... Get the same content, everything's the same, and you'll be notified every time a new podcast comes out. Also on the site, you can find archived episodes along with everything else that I produce, essays, books, videos, online courses. Thank you very much for listening and I'll be with you again next time.